Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. <laughs> Thanks. Um, we have been um, talking on prayer this month and I'm going to be talking a little bit, well, in a minute about um, the prayer of lament. But before we do that, I've asked Becca to share with us about breath prayer, which is just another uh, type of prayer, another way of praying, another practice, prayer practice that Becca uses in her life. And many of us have found a really helpful tool just for engaging our bodies and engaging God. And so I, I have asked her to just share it with us, but she's also on youth. So I was like, well, you can share it at the beginning. And actually, that you youth have done some breath prayer I think with Becca before, is that right? Nod like, yes, we totally remember and we do it every day. That's, you know. Um, so, yeah, Becca, come and share with us. Yeah, um, Kara asked me to share. I'm going to share for like two or three minutes. Um, yeah, I think I was just thinking about why I really appreciate breath prayer, and I think it's because I have an anxiety disorder. And so for me, especially when I'm anxious, um, and I can really worry about other people. And Chris just joked about me caring too much about other people's problems. And, you know, so I kind of lean that way. Very empathetic. And, um, yeah, I take on other people's stuff as, you know, which I think sometimes is, is good and helpful. And sometimes it can be really unhelpful for me. And so sometimes... Um, when I find my, my mind is just keeps ticking over and thinking about somebody's situation or thinking about a problem, or maybe I have a few people um, that I'm thinking about. It could be somebody who, you know, I'm going to support in their upcoming birth, or it could be a friend, or it could be, you know, a family member. And if I would just start praying for them and kind of interceding, as we kind of say, or you know, praying all the things that I want to see God do in their life, sometimes that actually just stirs up more anxiety for me. Um, and it gives me more things to think about. And I actually am not able to kind of move on. And so I have found that actually doing a breath prayer um, is a way that I can really acknowledge this person before God, hold them before God momentarily, and then let them go while also helping my body to kind of regulate because I'm, anytime we're conscious of our breathing, it's our, us telling our body that we're safe. Because when we're not safe and we're in, you know, fight or flight mode, um, we're just going. We're not an, aware of our breathing. So as soon as we actually notice our breathing, so even just now, like just noticing yourself, inhale and then exhale. As soon as we notice that, we actually can't be in the past. Um, with regret, and we can't be in the future with worry or catastrophizing. We're actually just present with our bodies and with God and in this moment, which is actually the only moment God really can be with us, is, is right here in this actual moment. Um, so I, something I'll do is if I have even a few people that I'm kind of worried about or want to pray for is I'll, I'll just, you know, notice my body and then I'll just, I'll breathe in for this person and then I'll breathe out for this person and I'll breathe in for this other person 
and I'll breathe out for this other person. And then I might have a situation that's challenging. I'll just breathe in for this, this worry that I have, and I breathe out for it. And I'll actually feel like, one, I've prayed. I've you know, held these people in these situations before God. And then also I've, I've helped my body be calm, and, which is going to actually help me just do life better. Um, so I do, yeah, we'll just take a minute and um, maybe do that together. So if you want to just be comfortable, maybe give yourself a chance to notice your, your body, how you're seated. Notice um, where you're being held by the chair or the bench or your feet on the ground. And let yourself notice that feeling of being held by God, by love, by peace. And maybe, maybe there is somebody or a situation, or it could be, it's so hot, it could be climate, or it could be something really specific. But just let that surface um, just in your mind. And then we'll just do a few, a few breath prayers and just holding that person or that situation before God and then releasing that as well. So we'll breathe in. And breathe out. Breathe in. And breathe out. And as we breathe in, we're holding that person or that situation just gently before God. And we breathe out. And we're giving God the responsibility for that situation or that person. And then we'll just do one more. Breathe in and breathe out. Amen. Thanks, Becca. Thanks, youth. You can head out now if you want, or you can stay if you want. <laughs> um, I, um, one of the people that I've read a little, a little bit of her writings is a, a lady called, or lady called Sister Wendy, who was who was a um, contemplative hermit in England. She passed away a few years ago, and so she spent much of her life living in a caravan in the woods and praying seven, eight hours a day. That was what she felt her call from God was, and um, she was a remarkable woman and lots of people. She became a little bit famous because she um, did these BBC shows of art appreciation where she'd go, or they'd take her around to all the famous art galleries around the world and she would stand in front of paintings and just share about them and the BBC recorded it and you can find it, Sister Wendy. She's hilarious little buck-toothed beautiful nun. And, um, but look, because she became quite famous and people knew she was a, a hermit who prayed all day, they would often regularly just write and say, can you pray for me? Can you pray for my sister? Can you? Like she'd get these like giant bags of prayer requests. And there, there was a time when she was interviewed and, and people, someone asked her like, how do you actually pray for all of those things that people ask you to pray for? And her response was, well, it's quite easy because I, I sit before the Lord and when I sit before the Lord, I'm carrying everything and everyone that I 
have read about, I've heard about, I'm thinking about. And as I'm sitting before the Lord with these people, God knows exactly what they need. And he, that, that is my prayer. And that, for me, was a, like, it was wonderful to hear that, actually. It felt very liberating to think that, you know, just even as we present ourselves to God with all the cares and the people that we love and the things that are going on, that's a form of prayer because in us the Spirit prays and God knows what's on our heart. And even in that sense of Becca leading breath prayer, even in our breathing of presenting people and things to God, that is life-giving prayer. And so I I have found that practice to be quite um, helpful and liberating in my life as well. So we've been talking about prayer and the first Sunday in September we talked about liturgical prayer and in a way that was just one method of thinking about prayer as formation, like that we pray in order that we're formed into the likeness of God. Um, Last week I spoke about the prayer of conversation and the prayer of silence And both of those things I talked about, the sense of that being a kind of prayer of connection, like a way that we connect relationally with God through conversation and silence. So we had prayer of formation, prayer of connection. And tonight I'm going to talk about the prayer of lament. And in a sense, this is like the kind of a prayer of wholeness and healing. It's a different kind of prayer. It's a way of, it's a path of coming to God for healing and wholeness. And, um, and I think it's a really valuable tool to have in our spiritual toolkit, if you want to talk about it like that, um, to, to actually know how, how to lament and how to bring ourselves to God in prayer and lament. I was not taught how to lament. Like as I was raised in the church, I don't, even, I don't think I'd, I have ever heard a sermon on how to lament in prayer. It was, you know, there were lots of acronyms for prayer, but there was never any kind of lament involved in that. Um, and I also, I suppose, was raised in a culture and maybe a little bit of this was my family culture and a little bit of this was my church culture and a little bit of this is just white Australia. But I don't feel like I was particularly raised in a culture where feelings were um, appreciated all that much. Uh, like it, it, it just wasn't... You know, I was a child of the 80s and, you know, feelings didn't really matter or have as much importance as what we now understand. It's helpful for them to have. Um, And so one of the things I do feel like I was definitely taught in church in terms of, you know, having feelings is that doesn't matter what the feeling is, just praise the Lord. Um, You know, if you're feeling sad, just praise the Lord. If you're feeling angry, just praise the Lord. If you're feeling sick, just praise the Lord. Like basically the remedy for anything, any emotional kind of feeling that you had was praise. Like it was just like, you know, it was, it was the only thing. I was not taught how to hold grief or pain or loss or confusion or anxiety or any of that alongside God. Like I was basically just taught to praise it away. If you have an uncomfortable feeling, just have a, just praise it away. Um, and, you know, in, in a sense, I've come to understand now, I think, that that, that, that 
what, what I was given about just praise it away is essentially what I think we would now understand as a form of spiritual bypassing. Um, I've got a little like picture, I think, to next one, I think it is maybe. Spiritual bypassing is essentially the practice of going around any uncomfortable feeling with some kind of spiritual practice or prayer. Um, and you can be as sincere as you, as you, you can be as sincere as possible and you can be going around a lot of significant things in your life. Um, examples of spiritual bypassing, and I'm really happy to hear any from the floor, if anyone <laughs> like knows any spiritual, any cliches. Things like pray it away, you have a, you know, something's going on, just pray it away. Um, uh, spiritual bypassing cliches would be like, um, praise reminds you that God is bigger than, you know, whatever it is that you're going through. The idea that we kind of like elevate God and diminish whatever we're feeling. The idea that if you just pray more, um, things will go well for you. Um, trust God, he will make it all, all okay is a sort of cliche of spiritual bypassing. This one, starve your fear. It's the enemy of your faith. Has anyone heard that? Oh, you obviously didn't grow up in the same church as I did. Um, you know, you know you, the idea of starving something. Anyway, just, you know, the idea of, oh, just choose peace. <laughs> just choose joy. Like, just, just choose those things. Um, be thankful. An attitude of gratitude always works. And it, like these are kind of like statements that are, are forms of spiritual bypassing where we have real things going on in our life and we say spiritual things to one another in order to go, go round them. And I feel like the faith that I grew up in certainly didn't know the wisdom of the ancient fake ancient folk song going on a bear hunt you know you can't go over it you can't go under it you have to go through it you can't go over it you can't go around it you have to go through it that's you know spiritual bypassing is all the ways we attempt to go around go over go under instead of actually going with God through the thing that we're encountering going through pain, going through grief, going through anxiety, going through confusion, just going through with God. So learning to lament is really like a necessary part of spiritual formation. Um, learning to not bypass everything, but instead learning the art of being able to lament to go through the things that are happening to us is really important for healthy spirituality. So lament, the idea of lament, and it's a very, very strong theme through scripture. Um, the idea of lament includes things like protesting in the presence of God. Protesting is a form of lament. Lament also includes like processing emotion or experiencing that emotion with God or sometimes to God, depending on what's going on for you, but actually bringing your emotional life into your spirituality and being an, a human being in the presence of God. 
And the other kind of form of lament is um, voicing confusion. So protesting, processing and experiencing emotion and voicing confusion are three different parts of lament. And I want to talk a little bit about each one of them um, just to, to flesh them out a bit, to see where they're happening in scripture and to maybe encourage each of us because we might be finding ourselves currently experiencing some things and maybe this will just encourage us to, you know, does that help you see better, does it? Oh, it's just too hot. Okay, that's, that's fair. We could actually also close the door, um, but, you know, you could all just move. Um, okay, protest. Um, next one, Chris. Um, Psalm 73 is an example of protest, and there are other examples of protest kind of psalms in Scripture. Protest is the idea of expressing to God, this should not be happening, it's an expression of outrage, of anger. It's giving voice to injustice um, for others as well as for oneself. So it's not just about like, this is bad for me, but we often, like, it's very legitimate to lament and protest on behalf of others when we see other people walking through injustice. And so Psalm 23, and these are some selected verses from Psalm 23, 73, what am I saying, 23? Definitely not 23. We know what that one is, don't we? Um, this is what the, the author writes. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. This is like a protest to God for the fact that from the psalmist's point of view, the wicked are prospering. The wicked are getting away with doing terrible things. And they're not only just getting away from it, they're profiting from it. And in protest, the psalmist isn't just putting up with it. They are bringing their protest into the presence of God and saying, this is not okay, God. And I don't like this. And this idea of like being able to protest to God what we see as injustice and unfairness in our lives and the lives of others is an absolutely legitimate form of prayer. It's often much healthier to bring that energy and that anger and that righteous indignation into the presence of God and express it to God than it is just to kind of like, oh, just praise it away like everything will be okay. Like, because that's a form of minimizing something that's actually really legitimate in our lives. And there is a absolute time and place for this kind of prayer in our lives when we see terrible injustices go on. And in fact, you could ask yourself, what kind of person or what kind of people are we when we, if we see terrible injustices and we make no voice about them? What kind of people are we? We're indifferent. We're untouched. 
Like that's not the kind of people that God calls us to be. And yet sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's almost difficult for us to bring some of those more vigorous feelings into God, but it's very necessary. And I'm sure you know instances of injustice, and they can be global things that are happening. They can be national things that are happening. They can be something that's happening in the life of a friend. But to protest that to God and say, God, this is not okay. This is not okay. is a legitimate form of prayer that the Bible models to us time and time again, that they protested in the presence of God. When we think about lament as processing and experiencing emotion with God or to God, um, Psalm 137 is probably one of the, the most brutal examples of this in Scripture. Although again, like there is our Psalms and our prophetic books are full of um, lament. Like our Bible is not dispassionate in its text. It's very passionate. It's bringing everything into um, the heart of God. So Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Like this, it's one of the most brutal, you know, psalms. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. But it's, it's coming out of this over, like this endless grief, this weeping by the rivers of Babylon. We, we sat and we wept. We wept to God. We hung up our harps. We hung up our praise instruments and said, we will not praise, we can only weep. And there is a place in life for weeping. There is a place when our grief and our loss and our pain deserves expression in the presence of God. Not, there's a time to hang up our harps and instead to grieve. I remember a time when I, I really needed to know how to, how to lament with God and I really wasn't given the tools for doing this but I guess you just learn by grieving and doing it with God. But there, I remember distinctly and it's funny how you just have these moments in your life that stand out as like things that you will never forget and um, I remember when, when we had Freya, um, we, she was born um, four weeks early. She was born at 36 weeks. But I had been in hospital since I was 32 weeks pregnant. And I had preeclampsia, so she was born early. She was very little. She was only 1.8 kilos. And so um, Freya was going to be in hospital for a little while um, when she was born. And I was allowed to stay in hospital for a week afterwards. 
Um, but then I had to go home and leave Freya in the neonatal intensive care unit. And Luke went back to work, because we were juggling like, okay, Luke's got two weeks off work, he's already had a week off work, um, Freya's still in the hospital, maybe it would be better for him to have another week off work when she comes home. So he went back to work, so I'm doing the to and fro from the hospital on my own and sitting with this little tiny baby who I wasn't even really allowed to hold because she was too, they didn't want me to, she was too tired. Anyway, it was just exhausting. And I remember, so she ended up being in hospital for about 17 days before we brought her home. But I distinctly remember this one moment. I don't know how long we'd been do, I'd been doing this back and forth to and from the hospital, but um, either my mum or the nurses just sent me home one afternoon and they, they obviously could see I was just utterly spent from just the whole ordeal and then just sitting in hospital. And so they sent me home for the afternoon and they were just like, you can come back later, but just go home. So I went home, but you're at, I'm at a loose end. I mean, like I've just had a baby, but I have no baby. Like I have been, I've just been in hospital for five weeks and I, I, my baby's still in hospital. I was, I just was, had so much going on. And at the time we were living in East Coromel in this little flat. And I just remember not knowing what to do with myself. Like, what do I do with myself? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself um, if I'm not sitting next to Freya's little crib. And so I went and I just walked down to the beach. It was probably only like a 200 metre walk. And I sat on this park bench that um, overlooks the, the little inlet at Balambi there and then out to East Coromel Beach. And I just sat there with God and I just cried and cried and cried. And I, it was like a prayer experience for me because I was sitting there thinking, I can't be there with her, God. Like I can't. I can't be there with her, but I have to just trust that you are going to be there with her and I am not there with her and I can't get up to her in the night. And so I just had this experience of just weeping on a park bench in the, in the sun, like with God and just lamenting everything that was happening, like just holding myself and holding Freya and holding the whole experience in the presence of God. And it felt good to do that. Not to praise, not to be triumphalistic, not to like intercede, just actually to, to cry and say, this is so hard, God, and I don't know where I am or where you are, or oh, I just need you, and she needs you, and you need to carry us. And it was this, I have big memories of that time. It was a genuine like lament in the presence of God. It was, and we, there are times when this is what we need to do to hold ourselves and to hold other people and to hold situations to God and just, if the tears come, they come. If the rage comes, it comes. If the protest comes, it comes. But just to be there, honest before God, this is what it means to lament. And the last idea of voicing confusion to God, this is a, another different sort of kind of lament, I suppose. And again, the Psalms are full of lament. Over one third of the Psalms are lament Psalms. But a few verses from Psalm 10, 22 and 74. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? The words that Jesus shared on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far off from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? 
Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. Maybe that's not what you want to say. But like this, this kind of voicing confusion, this voice of why. Like why God? Why is this happening? Why does it look like you're doing nothing? Where are you? What are you doing? This voice to confusion is a really important way of expressing lament, not holding it in, not praying it away, but voicing it to God and actually speaking it out. This is what our Psalms model to us. They encourage us, do this to God, ask him why. The book of Job is full of lament. It's full of protest, confusion, and lots of emotion. I love the book of Lamentations, um, not entirely for its content, although that's okay, but because of how the book of Lamentations is written. And I want to just finish by sharing with you the, 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 um, this, the, what, how Lamentations is written, because obviously it's a book of lament, Lamentations. Um, it's an entire book of lament. It is written in that period of um, Judah's life when they have been sent into exile and they are just decimated and they're the verses are full of pain and graphic expression of what's gone on and questions and all kinds of things. But the book of Lamentations is five chapters of grief and pain and loss, disbelief, confusion, rage and protest. It is poetry attempting to express the inexpressible. And each of the five chapters of Lamentations is written, or the first four chapters are actually written as acrostic poems, um, using the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet from Aleph to Tav. So we don't get that in our English because of course it's translated, but this is what I love about the book of Lamentations is that if, if any of us were able to read it in the ancient Hebrew, we would read it as an acrostic poem. So chapter one, 22 verses, a, B, C, D, E, F, just a litany of all the ways we are in pain, angry, confused, lost, destruction, pain, like over and over again. Chapter one, A to Z of grief and pain and loss. Chapter two, A to Z of grief and pain and loss. Chapter three, steps it up a notch and goes A, 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 B, 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 C, 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 D, 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 all the way through that, their alphabet, all on loss. Chapter four, a to Z of loss. Chapter five is like a bit of a mess. There's no acrostic, stru acrostic structure to five and they all debate why that is. But it's almost like what the author of Lamentation has done is said, all this rage and grief and confusion that is swirling around inside of me needs some kind of container. I don't know how to process all that's going on. So I'm going to do what any kindergartner can do and write an acrostic poem of my grief. And they give the inexpressible within them this tangible structure in order to you know, kind of give order to the lack of order that's going on inside of them. And so they methodically write this poetry of all of their pain and grief and loss. And then you get to chapter five and it's almost like it's an expression that this is so much, even the container cannot contain it. And chapter five bursts out of the container and is just chaos of grief and pain and loss. There's, 
this is how our scriptures teach us to lament. And I think there are times when we walk through situations that are beyond us. We, what, we go through things ourselves. We watch other people we love go through epic things. And we need some kind of container for our grief. And our scriptures teach us how to lament. They give us forms and they give us structure. And they say, bring yourself fully to God in lament. The prayer of lament or lamenting in you know, the awareness of God, in the presence of God, gives us a pathway through the pain and injustice of life that we might experience. And it's a well-worn pathway because many, 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 many people have worn this pathway of lament before us. People who've walked refusing to deny their reality, but instead bringing the fullness of their of, of themselves to God and being unwilling to, or un, like they're not going, they're going to be faithful to the hurt and the pain that's happening inside of them and bring their protest to God. They're going to be faithful in their prayer to bring themselves to God and they're going to throw themselves upon God's mercy. So there's many ways to lament and you know, depending on, on, on how you pray, depending on what you're going through, depending on your personality, depending on your creativity will depend on how you lament. But I wanted to talk about it as we're talking about prayer this month because I think it's a really important thing for us to have and be reminded of that to lament with God is a very holy, holy thing. And the laments of faithful people that have walked before us have become our holy scriptures and then we read them back and invite they invite us into a sacred kind of lament so i don't know what will work for you um but i i find for myself that um two of the easiest ways i find to lament are um simply like and these are probably the ones i've engaged with most but i'll I'll oft, often is a strong word, sometimes, let's go with sometimes, when necessary, like I will bring my full self to God with conscious awareness. When, I'm, when I have things welling up in me, I will know that that's like, this is an invitation for me to sit with God and to feel in the presence of God. Not to sweep that away and then to pray my prayers, but to actually feel it all with God and speak out whatever I need to speak out out of what's coming up in me. And I do that as kind of like an intentional kind of practice with God. Sometimes that involves speaking and sometimes it just involves being silent. Sometimes I cry and sometimes I don't. Um, it, it looks different depending on what I'm going through, but I just feel like there's a sense that to be faithful to God in prayer means to be faithful with all of me. And sometimes all of me contains grief and pain and loss and all kinds of things. The other way I express lament is probably a little bit, like I often need what the author of Lamentations needed, like I need a container. So I will often write um, kinds of lament. It will be like, Psalm September 18th, 2023, and then I will write 
a kind of lament, a kind of prayer, kind of, it's definitely not poetry because it's too messed up to be poetry. It's a bit more like Lamentations chapter 5, chaotic and all over the place. I've never written an acrostic poem of my pain and grief, but I, I'm not dead yet and there's, you know, room for that. But I, I often need a container, like it's sometimes... You're going through stuff and you don't know how to express it to God. So actually having a container, having a pen, being able to write a few psalms, uh, write a few lines, like just get it out there and say it to God. And I have some pretty brutal stuff I will never make public that I have written as a form of lament to God. But I've often needed that container of writing to kind of give expression to what is going on. And so I just want to encourage you this afternoon. Maybe you are in a place where you're full of praise, life is good and prayer is easy and God is good and you know, it's it's okay. And I just say, I love those times, go for it. Um, But there are times when each one of us are experiencing things, are seeing things, uh, watching someone else experience things and I want to encourage you that if you have big stuff happening in your life at the moment. It is a very legitimate kind of prayer to lament, to bring it to God, to protest, to express your confusion and to pour out your grief in the presence of God. This is, this is what praying people do. Amen. Um, well, maybe we'll pray to finish. I actually, um, actually, you know what I thought? You're, the first song... Can you come and just play the, I don't even, I can't even remember what the words were, but they were good. And as I was, I was singing them this afternoon, I was thinking about what I was going to be talking about. I was like, they are exactly what lament is all about. Blessed are the ones who cry. No, they didn't say that, did I? I, I don't, I don't know what the words are. It's from the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, like, but it, it contains this language of lament. And so as we finish, I'm going to pray and then Derek can just maybe play a few, few of the bits of the song. I don't know, the first few. Are they called verses? Yeah. And maybe I just want to invite you to just, maybe just sit and just, you can just listen to the words. Maybe if you've got something that is happening for you, maybe this is an opportunity to begin to hold it before God. I think lament is usually a thing, you, oh well, lament is a thing I don't want to do in public. Lament is a thing I want to do in private. But you might want to make an intentional kind of commitment to, to go and spend time with God this week with an intention to lament and to be, to be real and to be honest with him. So creator God, we just, we just thank you that you are the God who holds all things. As Luke shared with us earlier, you hold the pain and the hard times as well as the good times. You hold us. You know what it is to grieve. You know what it is to lament. Jesus, you know what it is to cry out in your lowest moment, what it feels like to be forsaken by God. And so would you help us, your people, to be honest with you? bring our whole selves before you, to trust you with the deeper things of our hearts, with our protests, with our emotions, with our confusion, that we would
be faithful people who lament when we need to, that we wouldn't bypass spiritually, but we would be brave enough to walk through the things that lie ahead of us, knowing that you are with us, sustaining us every step of the way. And so we thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.